He didn't know what he was promising when he went in. Sure, I'll go to sleep. You have no idea what you're about to watch, oh, child. Exactly. <laughs> Welcome to the 66th episode of the Sirens of Scream, the geek podcast that proves sometimes dead is better. We are your hosts. I'm Jackie DeVore. This is Sierra Halk. Hello. This is Melissa Megan. Hey, hey. And today we are absolutely honored to be joined by two of the goriest guests anyone has ever had the pleasure of hosting anywhere, uh, Jen and Sylvia Soska. Uh, hi, ladies. And 66, that sounds awesome. One more six, and it'd be like, you know, 666. Six, six. We'll come back oh. for 666. Six. Yeah. Oh, we've been adding the extra six in all of yeah. our show notes. In our sure. notes, yeah. It's there. <laughs> I <laughs> love Thank you so, so, so much for joining us today. We are so thrilled to have you on here with us. Uh, we have just a ton of things to poke and prod you about, uh, but first, oh, oh, usually I have to pay extra for that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we include that service for free. Uh, oh, please, you're too kind. But we have a little game to start you out with uh, called Grill the Guests, Ooh. and uh, we're going to shock you here with a couple of little answers. Prod away. <laughs> Melissa, do you want to do the honors here? Oh, Okay. I was just about to take a sip of my wine. <laughs> yeah, I mean, both. You can do both. Um, okay, so number one, you ready? Yes. <clears throat> Grilled and drilled, it's time. Zombies are at your door. What is your plan of action? I would go and get my trusty hammer. I would reinforce the motherfucking door, close the windows, and I'd start getting the weak people to just go down on the fucking ground. You're, you're useless. Get on the fucking <laughs> How do you reinforce your door? With oh. hammer! No, with sh- shoving furniture in front of it, man. Everything goes in front. Weak people, get on the ground. Just cry. <laughs> I'm your only roommate. Who else is going at the door? <laughs> run there. They're going to know we got our shit together. They'll feel it. Just yeah, I don't know if you guys have your plan together. together. One of you has the hammer, or the other one's slamming the door shut. I fight the zombies and stuff's running off looking for a fucking hammer. Yeah, I'm. For, and, and then bend the nails. Yeah. One of you has a pile of weak people there. Yeah, they're going to have to be the first food, too. That's why I say put them on the ground. Jen, after listening to this, I don't know who's going to come and stay with you. They're like, no, she's just going to feed us to the zombies. I no, heard her whole plan. <laughs> Sylvia was at least sane with the hammer plan. No, because thinking nobody... maybe the hammer was for the weak people. <laughs> weak people never think through the weak ones, though. Anyone listening would be like, nah, I'm not going to be zombie fodder. <laughs> I just realized as well, and I only remember this because I have talked to you ladies before. Um, we have not introduced your voices. So oh, yes, of course. Listeners understand who they're hearing. Um, well, I am Sylvia. I'm a lot more excitable sounding than Jen. And I have like, like an assortment of crazy laughs, which I'm so sorry if you have to hear. Like if you're we're listening to this with headphones, just be like, oh, no, that was a big like donkey laugh. That's me. <laughs> <laughs> Sylvia's really the bakeman to my Egon. Uh, I sound sarcastic even when I really don't mean to be. And my voice, Jen, this is Jen, in case you're just tuning in now. It always sounds... Um, 
uh, a little one nine hundred operatory because I used to date Jack <laughs> awesome. Daniels. <laughs> and yeah, don't listen to her. And a word of wisdom for you children: yeah. uh, if you drink whiskey, it makes your voice deeper. So if you want to be like some TV next, there you go. But wait until you're, you know, miserable before you drink. Yeah, and you can eggshells like the old movie stars. If you want to get scraped voices, Ooh. <laughs> that's a tip. That's whiskey a- and eggshells. That's your first album. Yeah, <laughs> gotta be healthier than cigarettes, right? Oh, of like course. Everything is. Everything is. A little bit healthier. <laughs> okay, so number two. What is the first horror movie that you remember watching? This oh. is so funny because for years I thought it was Poltergeist, but there was this other movie I couldn't put together. And Jennifer and I just recently revisited it. And it was Altered States. And I'm like, how the hell oh. is that on while your kids were around? And I'm like, they must have thought, you know, that age where you're like, they're too stupid to realize what's happening. And you're looking at the movie like, <laughs> what is life? Mom, is that the book of the dead? I don't understand what existentialism is. Yeah, it's proof that repressed memories are really real. Uh, <laughs> even guys, I forgot the guy peels his face off. And then when I watched it, I was like, no, no, no. I remember. I remember. <laughs> Oh, no. Oh, the mind. So, <laughs> so fantastic. So the third question is a little bit of a selfish thing for me because I am about to go next week to Monster Mania. Which oh, I know, oh. Yeah, I know you ladies were there last uh, earlier this year and I missed it. But my husband and my son went um, and they saw you there. Did um, you no, I don't think they got to the table. Oh. They, never, they didn't make it up just walk to the front and say, I want my hug. Yeah. That's, <laughs> yeah actually, you can go over to our security guys and say, if you're just here for a hug, there's a separate just hug and hi. You can up. cut in line for oh. a hug. Yeah. yeah. And we always say, you don't have to buy anything because we're not, we're, we're people. You can come over and just say hi. Well, it's <laughs> shocking for the people who know us from Elevator. Like, first, it's the first time we realize children are now scared of us because they watch the show and they're like, oh, please don't hurt us. Oh, I wouldn't hurt children, only adults. Oh, Jen. (laughs) So I'm getting ready to go next weekend to the next Monster Mania. And and I'm going to meet one of my lifetime horror idols, Clive Barker. I know you guys are fans of. I know you did a forward for him. Um, And so I was wondering if you could tell me if you could meet one of your horror idols, who would it be? Wow, that's so interesting because I, I actually did. I just got to meet David Cronenberg after remake nice. Rabbit, and he kind of ruined it for me. He was even cooler <laughs> than you, you would expect. Like really? there's a point where Jennifer and I were like, You don't have to stay here. You have more important things to do. And he's like, No, I'm having fun. Let's keep talking. And I was like, Ah I'll choose someone different just to be different. Okay. Uh, of course, meeting David was like the honor of a lifetime. I could have just hired carried myself after and been like, yep, I lived a complete life. Yes, true. <laughs> but there's only one person who still I would be like shaky, nervous, in awe of, and it would be Sigourney Weaver. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. I, I remember seeing, uh, you know, Alien, and I had that final girl moment. My mom always watched horror movies with me, so I wasn't like scarred or anything. And she did, you know, when parents are you know supposed to do and I was so scared at the end and I wanted to turn it off and my mom said and she doesn't even remember saying this don't worry Ripley always beats the bad guys she always wins and then I was like what 
Mm-hmm. And it just made me totally feel at ease no matter what happened. I was like, bitch, don't you know, Ripley always wins. Yeah. <laughs> so if this is your first time meeting Clive, he's like magical. When it's we my first-, first time and I'm so nervous. My palms have been sweating for like six months since I bought the tickets. <laughs> Be totally honest and just talk to him because he is so gracious and so kind to every single person that comes over to that table. Like it means a lot to him if you give him specific like, hey, I read, you know, this and or Chiliad or something. And it like had this huge effect on me yes. or I read Aberat and now I have, you know, all the islands tattooed on my back. I'm gonna rip my shirt off and show you. But no, he really, really like is a normal person in the way that he's surprised and honored that you, you know, are like, hey, I love this so much. It had such an effect on my life. So gracious. Yeah, and that he makes never- me feel so much better. Yeah, it does. Great. I'm great. I'm, I'm carrying my old. Um, I have a really old copy of a Magica that my older sister gave me when I was a teenager. Oh, oh wow! You know, it's like it's a giant book. Like, yes, it's gonna suck to carry it around, (laughs) but I'm like, I'm gonna carry that with me because that that means the most to me. And I'm like, is he gonna think I'm totally nerdy and weird for carrying this old beat up book? He's gonna be so flattered. Oh my gosh, what wasn't that? Didn't he give us one of the books that got got trashed by the dog? And he said that one was even better because you have to always open a book. Yeah, uh, he always likes there to be marks in a book. He hates a book, especially an old book that looks pristine because he thinks, oh, well, nobody read this book. A book is supposed to. So when he signs it. Even one of his new books, he will intentionally crease the book. Yeah. As <laughs> it's like, nope, the book's open. Fucking read it. You're supposed to read it. It's not supposed to sit on a shelf and be looked at. He'll be so touched that you have something so original. He'll love it. Yeah. Good. My, I'm so glad I asked you about it because I've been so nervous. <laughs> oh, no, don't be. He's, uh, you know, an, off off air, I'll let you know who's a couple salty ones to be careful about, but he's absolutely lovely. Yeah, he's so nice. Like, I remember when we met him, he was so gracious to us. And then we and he invited us to the house, but we had to leave like the next day. And I was like, how could he be so nice to us? And we just like bawled for like 20 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to have a, such a good time. And like every, we were in a lineup at da- uh, Dark Delicacies and every single person and I was like, this must be all his closest friends. And I was like, no, that's how he treats people who appreciate his art. So it's it's one of the weird, nice. weird like unique, great experiences. This is a, uh, a a little bit of a rare occurrence at this Monster Mania that I'm super excited about. They're all the original um, uh, Cinnabites are going to be there as well. Oh, so Doug Bradley. So we're getting like a family photo done with the Cenobites. Please send them our love. Absolutely. I love them so much. They're the both. nicest people. I don't know if you've met them before, but Barbie and Nicholas and Simon are just absolutely hilarious. Doug is salty, but like in the sweet kind of like how you think he's like still pinhead, but you know that he just has that air. Oh, and Tim, yeah, they're just fantastic. They're yeah. so sweet. Angels awesome. to us for sure. Yeah. Demons to some, I suppose. And you should ask Nicholas of how he got that story of becoming the chatter because that was based on a, like an oral surgery he had. And I was like, oh my God, that's <laughs> horrific. Yeah, he actually read our script for uh, Rabbit because we have like a piece of face get ripped off. And he had actually mm-hmm. gone through an experience like that. So he was telling me what actually happens when that medically happens and you wake up from it. I was like, okay, that's horrifying. That's going in. Thank you so Ooh. much. Oh, wow. Oh, no. <laughs> right? <laughs> I'm never going to the dentist again. Yeah, right? That, that's always my plan. Yeah. Sound advice. <laughs> Kids, you heard it here. <laughs> 
All right, we had to back up just a little bit there because uh, the line Ripley always wins, just that's going to stick with me. That's <laughs> like, I feel like that must have had an impact on you guys. Your your work is so like feminist driven, I feel that maybe that may have had an impact on you. Oh, yeah, it affected everything. Because even then, before I even realized, you know, the special terms of this was the evolution of the final girl where she was no longer the victim. She was this ass kicker and she was unapologetic and she wasn't like this virgin, like virtuous person. Not that being a virgin makes you any more or less virtuous yeah, as a woman. And Always then we had, yeah, I hated that. And now we have like Buffy. Buffy was the next big one. And we have, I mean, nowadays, if you have a final girl that can't kick ass and is kind of weak and mild mannered, you just don't see that anymore. You kind of see it with Seymour Krellborn with Little Shop of Horrors, but with the gender reversal, a final boy. It's so cute. Yeah, yeah. well, we grew up with uh, watching horror movies with our mom, and it was such a a girl time and we already are identical twins or a social structure is just like, Oh, let's talk to my sister. Blah, 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 blah. Oh, there's other people <laughs> in the world. How interesting. Let's be their friend. So when we went out into the world, like public school and we loved horror movies, everybody reacted like first they look at the same and then now they talk at the same time. And now they're only talking about horror movies. Like, Oh my God, lock <laughs> them up. <laughs> but I, it, it was always but like the funnest time ever. Like my mom and us would make the stupidest jokes to, you know, help because it was a scary part in the movie. Like even now something horrible will happen and I'll have the stupidest joke. And I'm like, I think that'll take the air out of the situation and, you know, get everyone going. Yeah. That's, that's pretty clever there. <laughs> Don't forget Lori Strode. She was a great badass. fantastic and jamie lee went on to do prom night and so many other horror films too she was one of the very first scream queens before you even really called them scream queens and laurie was like the greatest babysitter ever like okay (laughs) babysitting two kids okay a psycho comes you usually go home no you keep fighting you're defending the children like that was pretty i was like wow she deserved her 20 bucks an hour her and the (laughs) and she's in babysitting should hang they're like the most hardcore babysitters yeah and that was back in the 80s she probably made like five bucks for the night that was it like those kids are safe Lori no way she was making money you know that was a family thing because they were friends right kid Lori can you watch the kids yeah Yeah. Lori seems like a sucker who would have done it because of you know responsibility yeah honestly she should have put it on her resume like Oh, could you imagine? She should have done like your kids. <laughs> needed Michael Myers. Yeah, she should have been five dollars like, an hour. Yeah. Beat it. Yeah, she should have been like Sydney from Scream. Like really advertised what happened afterwards. Although Sydney didn't really want that to happen. That was more like Gail following her life and making it, you know, all about her. What if Halloween had this weird, like, backwards Scream story where you find out that Laurie Strode hired Michael Myers? to create like this crisis so that she could demand more money for babysitting in the neighborhood. (laughs) That would be so awesome. That would be like, if you know, like Adam Wingard who did the guest did it like, you know, like a very tongue in cheek kind of like eighties kind of one. Mm -hmm. You know, it's uh, weirdly coincidental uh, that we're talking about Halloween right now is I went to an ear, nose and throat doctor this afternoon. And uh, we, you know, we were talking about, uh, throats and voice and stuff and I told him we have a little horror show here and he just went off about how much he loved Halloween and we sat there talking about uh, old slasher movies for a good 20 minutes oh I love that isn't it amazing how horror kind of connects everybody like you notice that when you go to a horror convention it's like the happiest giggliest huggiest with people dressed like serial killers place you've ever seen in your <laughs> right? life 
<laughs> I would rather have a horror fan doctor looking my ear, nose, and throat. Thank you very much. Yeah, very Cronenbergian. At least he knows what the inside of an ear, nose, and throat looks like, too. <laughs> I don't know what it is, but I have been blessed with these horror-loving doctors in my area. It is so bizarre, but I love it. It's been so weird. It is the greatest thing when you accidentally find out you like the same horror movies. Like, I was getting my hair done with, with my stylist, and we started talking about, like, these Korean, Asian, like, extreme horror movies. And she's like, you don't watch that. And I'm like, uh, yeah, I do watch that. And then you both start kind of whispering, like, oh, my God, did you see that? Like, oh, my God, all the preparation. Oh, my God. Yeah, like, Enter the Void. I was like, you've seen Enter the Void? Oh, yeah, she oh like all the French She was like, you like Gaspar? No, I was like, she's okay. She's like, irreversible, and she's trying to describe what happens. And I'm like, no, no, no. I no, 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 no. Yeah, I know, I know. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God, I love that. I was just going to say that I feel... So I'm a hairstylist, uh, full-time job, and... Oh, love uh, Yeah, and you... But right before I came out of your mouth, I was about to say, um, I think it's super fun, you know, when, when I'm talking to my clients, and I don't always come out and say like I you know it, it comes up eventually I do podcasts and like oh what's it about and I always hesitate a little bit I'm like oh that's <laughs> these people okay it's about horror and it's always interesting to me the people who come back with like oh I love horror like like little like cute little ladies that kind of look like the head of the PTA you know like just it's always interesting it's like this like hidden identity they're horror lovers underneath you know and yeah. you know, I yes. think survivors love horror. I think we're wrongly uh, kind of generalized as a bunch of sickos. We only play sickos in film and television. <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> but usually, uh, somebody that is a horror fan is somebody that's had their own horror movie in their life, and they've had to overcome things. So watching Lori and Ripley get through these situations empowers them. I know when I was going through hard times, I loved watching watching Buffy suffer because I was like mm, my life's shit but it's not quite as bad as Buffy yet always get back up no matter how many times she gets off she was the greatest in season seven I can't even but all those people didn't deserve her she was too good for them yeah. but <laughs> in horror there seems to be like this uh hidden history of women's accomplishment like one of the very first fiction cinemas was Alice Guy Blanchet who was one of the first directors she was a woman but most of her work was attributed to her cameraman her husband the grips because they're like well there could have been a woman that could possibly have done that but she opened up her own uh film company in the East Coast, the Solax Company. She made over 700 films. She directed movies with LGBTQ themes. She loved vampires, and she uh, and she loved. She even put drug themes in there back in the uh, the 19th century. And uh, after uh, she was rivaling with Hollywood, they destroyed her. She ended up penniless, and her husband tried to take all credit for everything. And he did a really damn good job about that. But you think about things like that and you're like, well, why, why don't we learn about that right away? Or Dorothy Arzner, who was the only woman to work during uh, Hollywood's golden age. And she said that she took her, uh, he, she took her pride, wrapped it into a little ball and threw it out the window to work for a studio. I was like, Oh, that's a, that's a very interesting way to be the only one that's employed at that time. Yeah. It's pretty much the same. It hasn't really changed. Well, also, <laughs> They talk about it like Penny Marshall. She was the first woman director to have uh, movies gross over $100 million with Big and A League of Their Own. But it wasn't like a talking point then. And then now it's almost like people are trying to rewrite our history. Like Lexi Alexander, she did 
Punisher Warzone, which I was like, oh, it's a chick. Oh, my God. And she's doing Punisher. This is the craziest thing ever. But everyone's like, okay, now all the girls are directing all the girls. And, you know, we're just going to keep. And it's like, why do we have to do that? It's kind of cool when you mix it up like that. And women have been doing this for a while. We don't like I love the push for it. But, you know, don't forget what we've already done. It's like saying Blade didn't exist. Yeah, I'm so tired of being a woman and only being able to tell a woman's story. It's not like a guy. And they're like, okay, we're going to do a movie with Tom Cruise. We need a man because we need someone who knows how a man thinks. Like, it makes no fucking sense. You only ever do that in women. And I call it, like, get-out sexism in the way of get-out racism. Yeah, it's true. If you are super aware that the person you're working with is a woman or a person of a different ethnicity, then you are racist and you're sexist. If it is playing a big part in your mind, either positive or let's make sure they say something... No, you just see another person. It has to be equal treatment. It can't be overcompensating treatment. Because that might be covering, maybe you're thinking this person is below you at some level. With a funny number that they're doing with statistics. Now, instead of hiring one or two people, why don't you hire a group of four or five? And they're like, what? But you mean that, that changes the whole group dynamic? Absolutely, it does. That's what diversity actually is. (laughs) instead of the one person there that's supposed to be representing every other diverse group and you're like fuck man it's me against these 17 other people i don't know i'm gonna try and get some thoughts out there but i don't know like black widow being the only woman for every film like she carries the well actually she is the every woman so i'm happy that she represents all of i thought she was awesome but i would have loved for her to be darker but if she wasn't darker they would have never hired us to come onto marvel to write something so insanely dark I find it very annoying that they finally decided to give her a goddamn movie of her own, yeah. and then they kill her off. Yeah, you know, Sorry, guys. Spoilers. But no, <laughs> and it's a, uh, hey, this is what happened in the past movie. So I'm like, so you're making yeah. a movie that doesn't matter at all. Here's something that yeah. the studios didn't realize that all of us fans realize. Right. I don't care that Natasha can't fly. I don't care that she doesn't have super strength, that she doesn't shoot lasers, that she has a magical, like... Hammer, who gives a shit? The thing that makes Natasha so amazing is that she was attempted to be broken as a child, and she's unbreakable. Yeah. She she has survived through so many terrible things, and she's a very, very human character, despite the whole fact that she's been a clone since 1928 and didn't notice until right now. Besides that, <laughs> These whole things thing, happen in comics. Yeah. And I I think the studios have a really hard time about making a superhero story the way that we love them in the comic books. These are ordinary people with extraordinary things happening to them. You don't need the entire universe exploding at the end or New York blowing up. I mean, do we, I don't think we really want to see cities blowing up at the time. It would be lovely to see a story that was dialed down and about, you know, a character that was more real. Like now. Yeah. And also she's, she's flawed. Like, I think that was always the interesting thing is that she had this dark part of it. She wasn't like a cookie cutter. Like Mm -hmm. this girl was definitely going to be a hero. No, there's more reasons for this girl not to be a hero. And that's not how she started at all. It was cool to see, you know, I would have, well, you know us, we would have liked our, our Nat to have a little bit more balls for her big finale. Right. Um, imagine how much more interesting the Marvel Cinematic Universe would be at this point if they had introduced you to her story back when they introduced Captain America or, wow. you know, anybody like we would actually understand why she gives a shit about Hawkeye. Right. We would actually understand like who she is beyond just being a spy. 
Oh, yeah, exactly. Uh, and when she was so depressed in the film, I'm like, we didn't even establish the relationship with Bucky. And literally everyone else she loves is alive. So what mm -hmm. is she so upset about? And also, before you answer, remember, this is a Russian Okay, this is a hardcore spy, and even if she's sad, she's not going to be presenting sad to you because literally this is what she does for a living. Yeah, you know, I, I get it. I understand why they did it for a, a, a marketing kind of way, but I think they I think they had the opportunity before even Deadpool came out because I loved those Marvel Max comics, and you don't have to have everything to be in the same MCU. You could have had Natasha do an, uh, a PG-14 even movie, and everybody would have gone. Like, you saw how many people went to a, a Atomic Blonde. We would, like, every time there's a Black Widow, like, action fight scene, I'm, like, screaming, like, please let this moment never end, and then it's over, and I'm like, oh, but it's so cool to have seen it. In the right. whole Infinity like, War series, I mean, they double-fridged Gamora. Gamora, like, Star-Lord is the greatest boyfriend ever because he made you forget Gamora literally ran into Thanos' <laughs> arms and then told him the, the only thing that she knew. And I, I was like, have you ever cracked a comic book? Like, think about if you're all, strictly a comic book reader and you explain to someone, hey, Rogue's crying because Wolverine doesn't like her. I wish that there was a <laughs> A nerd dedicated to each IP that like, oh, we're going to make a Wolverine movie. Oh, well, you have to deal with Lance. What? Oh, he's the biggest Wolverine fan ever. And he's just going to be there making sure that this is exactly Wolverine. Yeah, just some super salty guy sitting in the back. And he's just got his boxes and boxes of like everything Wolverine's ever appeared Excuse in. Excuse me, it's Punishing 136. He did say. During the read through, he just like sighs heavily and starts flipping through the box and saying, nah, uh-uh, can't. <laughs> That should 100% be a thing. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't that be a great job for kids to do? Like, I remember when, when I was work, is in school, they were like, don't read comic books. It's never going to be a part of your future. And now I'm so glad at the hell reality that teacher lives in. Like, everything's <laughs> Marvel Comics now, yo. You can't get away. You're a powerful witch indeed. That's where the Deadpool shit came from. I remember that people used to call him Spider-Man when they saw my Deadpool shirt on me. <laughs> <laughs> Now he's sold out. He owns, he's the king of Hot Topic now. He's worse than Spider-Man. He's everything. He's like the fucking smiley face now. Oh, he's on everything. I love it. <laughs> now, are you guys going to be involved in the uh, the Black Widow movie in the in the writing of that? Oh, no. I, you know, I really wish we could have. Uh, it's Kate Shortland who has it, and they're shooting all over the place. They, they're in Budapest and all over Europe. Um I know that they've just gotten a, a bunch of movies uh, from Fox and they're trying to figure out if it's going in the same MCU or if maybe there might be a horror version. I heard Scott Derrickson is turning the sequel to Doctor Strange into their first horror movie. And I know that they're really excited about what James Gunn is potentially bringing after he does like Suicide Squad for Warner Brothers. So maybe it's time for something a little darker. Maybe they'll be like, you know, those crazy Sasuke girls that wrote this comic, they're directors too. Couldn't be that bad of a hire, huh? Right. <laughs> Not a job I would want. I mean, Kate Shortland, God bless you. I mean, I definitely, definitely do want your job, Kate. <laughs> <laughs> 
I've heard there's been like five or six writers that you guys have been through. And I heard that that was happening while you guys were already shooting. And I know that there's a lot of pressure on this movie. Yes. Because all of us, like since she appeared in Iron Man, we were like, yeah, here we go. Natasha movie. Hell yeah. And then we kind of were promised here it comes, here it comes until like now. And we're like, well, we, we get one now. Like she's, you killed her. What the hell? You killed her and nobody even was sad. She didn't even get like a little plaque. You had a yes, true. I mean, it's like you buried Tony Stark's ego. It went on forever. I did go right? on. <laughs> you couldn't have even had a little like balloon for Nat. No, not Don't, even a Guys, one. nobody should be angry that Robert Downey Jr. has a better agent than everyone else and negotiated the last <laughs> better. Okay, so at the end, uh, I need the most expensive shot in movie history. What are they going to be doing? They're going to be standing and crying. Are look, you kidding me? Looking at my farm. Are you care- kidding? Yep, yep. His funeral <laughs> is so big, it went into the next Spider-Man movie. It was, so big. It was all-encompassing. <laughs> Jen, I don't know if you know this, but the Black Widow movie is actually just a Tony Stark funeral movie, and it's just her. Like, <laughs> no one mentions her at all. They talk about how sad they are that Tony's gone. If I can say one snarky thing. Over, one, one, <laughs> more, one more. Overdoing the dishes, he can figure out time. Time travel, and he can, no, and he can figure out how to manipulate an infinity gauntlet onto his hand, but he can't figure out how to keep it from killing him. Does anyone else realize that the infinity gauntlet does more than just dead, alive? Like every time, because I'm a comic book reader. Oh, the like, comic fans were like, "Oh no, Thanos has the gauntlet." They're like. Oh no, this Thanos hasn't read the comics. We're good. <laughs> no, 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 he's got the reality one. Oh shit, he can do this. Oh, and when Strange had the time one, I'm like, dude, why didn't why didn't you go back in time and stop it from happening? I would have done a like in the mask or like Spider-Man three chick chicky boom musical sequence if I was Thanos and I had a reality <laughs> gem. I'd be like, everyone's gonna dance now. It's gonna be so expensive and needless. Strange was like, <laughs> I see that Robert Downey Jr. is not gonna be satisfied with his contract negotiations and he will be departing the franchise. It's the only way it can happen. <laughs> I sense a hint of bitterness about Iron Man's time in these films. <laughs> I love him, but you know, I when I watch all those beautiful superhero cut movies, it's all these men doing the coolest shit you've ever seen in your life. And then a woman crying, then a woman falling, then a woman like hugging a guy. Don't forget Scarlet Witch poking her fingers and making magic stuff. That was pretty cool. Also, if my identical twin died, you'd hear about it in every single movie. So that's the bitterness. That funeral isn't big enough for you. I I thought that Scarlet Witch would ever speak about her dead identical twin again. But nah, apparently not that big a moment for her. She's Listen, she's very busy taking care of Vision. She has to carry him around since he got stabbed. It's true. (laughs) He went from so powerful to Age of Ultron to quick protect him. Oh, don't get me started on Vision. <laughs> don't get me started on Vision. <laughs> you know, the best thing I do before I go and see a comic book movie with my friends, they look at me and they're like, you know, I never read this comic. I'm like, okay, so you're going to be good. If I seem upset, don't. I, I'm going to tell you a bunch of nonsense afterwards of why this was wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Just get coffee and explain the whole thing to them, like... Yeah. I'm going to go get my comic books and we're going to sit down. Don't worry. I have over a thousand issues. You're going to be caught up. No. You so love it. No, no. I'm going to explain to you why you hated it. And it was sexist <laughs> and racist. Hang on. Hang on. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Real quick. I'm going to catch up our listeners here. Of course. Uh, listeners. Hello, listeners. 
the Sasuke sisters here, are absolute queens of scary, creepy, and gory. Uh, they're producers, directors, writers, and actresses from Canada. By the way, where in Canada are you guys from? Oh, we hail from the lovely land of Vancouver, where yeah. the Canucks come from. Yeah, we're on the West Coast. Nice. nice. I'm down in Seattle. I'm close to you guys. Oh, road trip. Very cool. <laughs> they launched their career with Dead Hooker in a Trunk, which is kind of an amazing movie if you haven't seen it already. Uh, and gave us some wonderfully impressive body horror with American Mary. Have written several things for Marvel, including the recent Black Widow series, which we just talked about, Deadpool and other things. Uh, Black Widow series, which is uh, illustrated by Flaviano, who was kind enough to lend us some incredible artwork for this episode. Uh, Flaviano, uh, we were hoping to get him on this episode as well. He's been an absolute sweetheart in the planning here. Um, hopefully we can get him on another episode. That would be uh, awesome. Yeah. So he, wonderful. And insanely talented. Like everything he drew was such art. Yeah. He like just, we're going to link his, uh, his, uh, feeds here in our show notes here because his stuff is absolutely gorgeous. I was sitting there flipping through his artwork after Jen, after you brought him into the conversation there. And he's just so incredibly talented. Oh, he's um, unbelievable. I couldn't have prayed for a better artist for a Black Widow run. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but uh, also, No Restraints Played is worth checking out, checking out as well, obviously. I'm over here stumbling on my words here. It just, sorry, our conversation has my wheels turning in my brain here. I have so many other things to talk to you guys about now. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, they have uh, or had a survival horror game show called Elevator, which is just a million different kinds of fun, and are about to release a remake of the sci-fi body horror Cronenberg uh, movie, Rabid. Ladies, please tell us more about Rabid. Let's start. Oh my there. gosh! Well, uh, Jennifer and I are huge Cronenberg fans. Uh, he had a huge impact on our work and how strange it actually is. Uh, our first few Cronenberg uh, movies, we actually had to sneak because my parents would never let me watch them when I was a kid, and I was so shocked when I realized the same movies I was sneaking was the same director. Yeah, he's <laughs> absolutely fantastic. Uh, I've seen every one of his films, and you know, as funny as it is to say, Rabbit isn't even one of my top five favorite, and it's not because it's not a great film it's just because every one of his films is just so fantastic dead ringers is actually a spoiler alert our favorite and if you couldn't have guessed that you've really not seen dead ringers you really don't know what it's about it's it's fantastic it was actually one of the last cronenberg films i ever watched because uh i really have a pet peeve when you see normies you singles playing identical twins mm -hmm. and usually mm -hmm. it's in a fetishized way and it's usually uh ever since the olsen twins and they kind of normalize the objectification of those girls it's kind of an open season to just have a, a laugh at twins so i was like oh great what's this gonna be of course i didn't realize it was the great cronenberg and the equally great uh Jeremy Irons and his performance was masterful. And as soon as I saw it, either David has an incredible respect for twins or he happens to know them. And of course, both are true. And it was just fantastic. We were uh, emailed just randomly one day if we would like to remake Rabbit. And I half thought it was a joke. So of course I said yes. And then we met for it the next day. And uh, it turned out it was not a joke. They had uh, bought 
So this was a this was a company that usually made religious movies, and then they did a religious horror movie that was insanely successful. So they're like, let's do another horror movie. So they just got rabid without really checking what that meant. They thought it was about rabid dogs. So they have <laughs> right. You think Cronenberg is straightforward horror in any way? <laughs> So they had this other guy write this script, which was missed the mark a bit. And then they sent the script to David and asked him to be a producer. And he's like, uh, you know, nothing of my work. This is, you know, rabid in title alone. So they Googled rabid or Googled Cronenberg and Jennifer and my names popped up. And this is what they told us during the interview. And then they're like, could you explain to us what Cronenberg means? And I thought, oh, my goodness. Rabbit oh, wow. Rabies at all. <laughs> Rabbit is about transhumanism, to which they said, what is that? And oh. then we spoke for about 15 minutes and they said, well, we wanted to make a movie about rabies. That's like Jaws is about making people afraid of dogs. And I was like, whoa, you should have just made a movie about rabies then. Now it looks like you're going to have to remake a Cronenberg film. And then they- I gave them a great promise, though. I'm going to give you somewhere between Cronenberg and commercial. And you don't know what a great favor I'm doing for you. I said if we were making a David Lynch film, I wouldn't even be able to talk to you. You'd never know what I was making. And that would be part of the process. <laughs> yeah, they said you guys handle the creative and we'll handle the the money. And that's actually how it ended up. Such a strange, weird, wonderful movie. Uh, we hired crew and cast who actually worked with David because we knew what a huge bill this was. We tried to get Mr. Cronenberg to do a a cameo in the film. And I found out through Mary Heron, who had cast him in her TV series, that uh, he was offered a cameo in the remake of The Fly, and that turned him off from it. And I was like, oh, damn, because my cameo for him would have been even cooler. But Totally understand that. And uh, she did pass along one message that was like, oh, wow. He said that the movie ended up where it should. So Jennifer and I were like, at least it ended up uh, with people he trusted. Um, Years ago, he had seen American Mary and sent along a nice message. And back then when it had its Canadian premiere, we were supposed to meet. But he was uh, in post-production on his movie. And Jennifer and I were so green. We didn't know we should just leave and go see David Cronenberg if he invites us to his house because that never (laughs) happens. (laughs) Yeah, I'm not really a fan of remakes. I find a lot of them are kind of cash grabs and they're incredibly manipulative to the fan base. And, you know, they only care about the opening box office before the fans see it. And they're all disappointed. And it's like, ha we got your opening box office. We don't care. And I really hated the idea of maybe somebody that's not quite as passionate about David and knowledgeable about his work. Uh, handling the remake. I heard uh, even though Suspiria, the remake is its own thing. Uh, when I heard Dario said that it was uh, a wasteful remake and had nothing to do with his original. And he was kind of let down and hurt by it. I was so upset. I was so upset to think that somebody wouldn't have made a movie that was just to say, by the way, Mr. Argento, you're the most magical man to ever exist. And here's a movie <laughs> showing why. Yeah. If you were a fan of Cronenberg, we honestly made the movie for an audience of one. If anyone even remotely likes David, they're going to be like, wow, there's Easter eggs galore. Yeah, David's going to have a restraining order. He's going to be quite flattered. And we don't know which one it's going to be yet. <laughs> but it's very male gaze versus female gaze. Um, He's a heterosexual who is more scientifically minded. He doesn't really believe in reincarnation incarnation life after death i'm pansexual we both are and uh as much as i love the ladies i also love to see them empowered and sexy positions yeah so you see a lot of homages to marilyn chambers the late and the great 
But unlike uh, the initial Rose, who never had a last name, never had an occupation, she's not mm. so much a victim of her circumstances. You really get to know this Rose, and you really get to, kind of in the way of a Spider-Man, that was our joke, it's kind of like Spider-Man. You know what it's like to become a biological body horror vampire. Yeah, and it's it's a lot like Spider-Man, too. Uh, David originally wanted to hire Sissy Spacek, but Ivan Reitman said that her southern accent would keep her from being a horror star, so she went on to become famous with Carrie and they ended up casting Marilyn Chambers instead That's so when hilarious. we were right <laughs> oh producers so <laughs> when we by the way, I saw this great porno. What about Marilyn Chambers? That's definitely <laughs> yeah, but Marilyn did a fantastic job, and everybody was like, "This is your first legitimate movie." And David's like, "Why are people calling my movies legitimate now? That's kind of strange. No one's ever said that before." Right. But uh, Laura Vandervoort, who we got to play our Rose, is kind of a mix, mix between Sissy Spacek and Marilyn Chambers, and she was so awesome by making it herself, her own, and uh, being bringing a lot of like genuine kind of pain and and struggling to it. But she also would religiously watch the scenes we were recreating because we would do an exact scene, but an updated version. And then you would watch in the monitor and it would look like Marilyn. It was, I swear to God, there's so many times I was like, she's, she's emulating Marilyn. She's just like coming through the screen right now. That's awesome. You guys just actually answered one of my questions, <laughs> which you tend to do. You tend to do that. Um, yeah, I just watched Rabbit a couple nights ago for the first time. I, the the one issue that I always have with like that era of film and that style of horror film is that I can't help feeling like it feels a little ex exploitative to me. And you know, like the female the female characters never have anything yeah. beyond you know. I mean, she just kind of like like every time like it was like three times in the film that she basically like went into a fit and her shirt just fell off. Yeah, <laughs> like and and, and, she, and every time she attacks somebody, she has to like flirt with yeah. them to get them close. And I'm like, ah, oh, I just it's hard for me to get past that. And so I feel like I I wanted to ask you guys, but I feel like you just said this that basically is is part of your you like you're obviously influenced by that era and horror a lot. Yeah. Um, and as a woman, you had to be so used to full frontal nudity. And I was, I even talked to my dad about it. And he's such a Catholic guy and he, he goes white. He's like, oh, I don't know how I, the world is like that. I'm like, well, I really, it was weird being a girl and having to be so used to that. So we did yeah. it the opposite. There's so much male nudity in Rabbit. I'm, yeah. yeah and that's what I wondered. Like, is that part of your inspiration is to kind of like take that, that exciting influence that you love, those kind of forms that you love and like turn them a little bit? And oh, twist absolutely. them into a different way. Yeah. I think it's kind of an examination of the absurd. And you don't even realize how fucking absurd and disgusting these situations are until you switch the genders. And yes. you put these men in situations where you see their butt or maybe you see their dick out for a minute. Or maybe he's naked and then a woman comes up and preys on him. Or maybe he's being an absolute douchebag. And somebody deserves to kill him. And then it actually happens. It's There's so much, I don't want to call it strictly revenge porn, but for all the moments that you can't turn into a biological vampire and kill a guy who really deserves it, there's Rabid. There are so many moments where you really, really want to see her feast on someone. And it's never in a situation where it's like, oh no, like she's getting like taken advantage of here. It's never in a position where it's already so far down that you're angry and you're hateful of it. It's one of those films where you can actually root for the bad guy all the way through because she's not really a bad guy. She's just hungry. Mm -hmm. Yes, <laughs> it's so true. 
And whenever, like Jennifer and I, we used to do body doubling and we're identical twins. So I know what it, and this was pre-Me Too. So we're very aware of what it's like to be hired for something based on a look and somebody to tell you to take your clothes off, even though you never agreed to do that. Uh, and I know the kind of pressure that women have when they have to do any kind of nudity on that set. So whenever we do have any kind of nudity, we make sure that we have a closed set. We actually... Uh, We've actually survived a lot of the uh, growing pains of the Me Too, Time's Up movement. And the nice thing about having been gifted those horrible experiences is we got to work with Telefilm, which is uh, the Canadian government paying for movies in Canada. And we started to talk about these problems and these experiences, and they asked us what we could do about it. And they're actually bringing in uh, new uh, new things to make sure to, that the people are protected. Uh, we're going to have intimacy coordinators, like stunt coordinators, every time there's any kind of a close set intimate uh, scene. So instead of people just being like, oh, it's a sex scene, just grab and figure it out. No, everything's pre-decided. Everyone talks to each other. And, you know, you have, a, you have somebody who isn't the director or isn't the actor or isn't the producer telling you what you want. You tell that person what you're comfortable doing and that's the scene that you end up making yeah i think awesome. the party atmosphere in the 70s you can feel the cocaine there yes. right like yeah. you feel <laughs> unhingedness mm-hmm. you watch like easy riders and you can tell that they're all high and you're fucked up through this entire yeah. movie and then you look at rotten tomatoes like perfectly rated movie and yeah like, what is that perfectly rated <laughs> movie i mean it was like edited together and it had a cute tagline but no you're just fucked up and you know there was a time where this industry was just also about the party 100%. Mm-hmm. And a lot of us that grew up uh, believing the lie of the glamour got into the film industry. And then when we got here, we were like, what's this trash fire? What's yeah. going on here? And you look at so many films, and I'm not going to mention any of them because nobody needs their moments ruined. We can do another whole episode on that. But there's films where you know that the sexual violence is real or mm-hmm. that someone actually was raped in this situation or she did not want to do this or they kept the footage from her, or she actually got injured, or she got scarred, or she's still hurt because of this sort of thing. And that wasn't just a, oh, well, that was one moment. Every single film that anyone loves, there are stories like that of what's happened. So I think that's also the kind of tone that I felt in Rabbit. I don't think it was intentional, but the kind of idea that she was in bed and her, she was topless and the doctor didn't pull her, her dress up. It was just It just almost felt like, well, who even cares about you? And I know that Marilyn is 100% comfortable with it. But for me as a viewer, I felt uncomfortable. That it also is to, to David's testament. I did feel so uncomfortable in all the positions that she was left in. Yeah. 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 I try not to blame the film for it as much as just blame the times. Like you yeah, said, right? right? It's a product yeah. of its time. But yeah, it's even harder now when you know, you know, just you know that those those butter scenes happened behind the scenes, you know, uh, yeah. the, those moments happened for real. And so it's hard as a viewer sometimes to watch that stuff for me and not feel like, you know, is that woman really feeling what I'm feeling right now? Or is this just mm-hmm. like a movie thing that she's okay with? It's true. Um, so many movies have been ruined for me. And then there's movies like the bunny game where I have Rodley Getsick, who's a woman who was abducted by a man and tortured for days. And then she did a movie where she relived that. So she could be in control of it this time. And it's, awesome. yeah. It's and it's horrifying and empowering. It's yeah. un- fucking believable. She even gets herself, herself branded in it. And people are like, why did you do that? And she's like, that's my survival mark. Right? Like that. She, wa- she wanted to take something with her and be like, I, now it's mine. And now they can't take, like, 
I can't understand that, but I can understand it. Like American Mary was dealing with sickness and death. Like Rabbit was also dealing with not being able to stop cancer from killing people you love. Like there are so many big themes that go on through our work that I'm like, I couldn't deal with that in real life, but I put it in a movie and now it was safe. Mm -hmm. God for the arts. What else would we do? It's a, it's a connection to your soul. I'm really excited for you guys to see Rabbit. It really continues a lot of the conversation we started with American Mary, but I like to add, uh, we're five years angrier. Yeah. <laughs> American, Mary. American Mary, we were a little bit sad, like, oh, I'm sad that things are this way. And now we're very, very angry. <laughs> and, you know, it's fun to have uh, Tristan Risk back because whenever we make a movie, there's always a few characters that I'm like, oh, no, I wrote something too weird and no one's going to be able to play it. And then I'm like, aha, no, I wrote this for Tristan. And then we end up talking and she's like, did you consider this? And I'm like, do you feel comfortable doing that? She's like, yes. Of course, for Cronenberg. And you're like, wow, this is, yeah, she does all their stunts in it. And, uh, there is something that she plays in the film that I, I think is probably the most terrifying thing we've ever done in any movie of ours to date. Yeah, I'm saying so a lot. Yeah. <laughs> I would say this is the most us film since American Mary. It's an incredibly personal film, too, and I can't explain in every way that it is, but it's got a lot of subtlety. I mean, people can enjoy it on a surface level and be like, wow, this is a really cool body horror and you can read into it and discuss it with us. And yeah, there's a, there's a lot to unravel and unpeel there. The, one of the beautiful things about David's films is he asks more questions than gives you answers. And I'm so tired of people thinking that the horror fans are stupid. Yeah, I know. <laughs> We're the smartest <laughs> fans there are. I mean, they're horror conventions. There aren't like romantic comedy conventions We're we are the lifeblood <laughs> of the film yeah. industry. We and we are the <laughs> I think that's why so many remakes fail because it's just, you know, the schlock value and it's not being remade by someone who grew up by it and like loved it and said, no, no, I have to protect this movie. So I think people are going to really, really love this. I think other than Alexander Aja, there aren't really a pair of directors that cared so much about the original. Yeah, okay. Alexander Aja is great at remakes. He's like the remake king. We're, we're just trying to get, you know, like a little a little queen crown. It's a small one. <laughs> well, speaking of uh, American Mary, we actually had a, a listener question related here from uh, Julie Cookson on Facebook. She asked, uh, please, can you make another film with Catherine Isabel? Uh, you are the perfect horror trio. And she adds that American Mary is one of her favorite horror movies and much love and respect from the UK. Oh, hi, Julie. Oh, well, I hope you can come out to Rabbit. Uh, you're right. Katie is absolutely magnificent. I know Katie told me she doesn't like doing horror movies. So Katie, if you're listening, everyone wants us to work together again, us included. There should be a hat trick, Katie. What are we going to do? Because in Mary, she was so cool and collected. But behind the scenes, we realized she was like hilarious. So we made her such like a funny jock and see no evil too. So We'd have to do like a totally different Catherine for the third one. I still want to do an American Mary TV series. Yes, that would, that would be, be incredible. Fun. Yeah, I don't know if Katie wants to be Mary again, but she'd have to be part of it somehow. Yeah, I love her. Uh, and also related to Rabid and Cronenberg, we have another listener question uh, off of Twitter. Uh, Chris underscore Steffo uh, asked with the release of Rabid, uh, what would be your next Cronenberg, Cronenberg movie that you would want to remake and why? I would love to remake Dead Ringers, but instead of them being uh, male proctol or, uh, male 
a gynecologist. They would be female proctologists. And instead of meeting an actress that gets them into drugs, they'd meet an actor that gets them into black magic that comes from bum sex. <laughs> yeah, they're not <laughs> guys, they're twins. Self says Olsen twins, but I know what we want to have happen. I'm like, it has to be us. It has to be us because I don't have to talk to an actor about how weird the stuff I want them to do. I just want to say, okay, Sylv, you have to do this thing now. So okay, go do it. All right. Mary we'll Kay, about Ashley, I know you're listening and I know you don't need this, but just come out of retirement, do a couple of seasons with us, just show everyone how damn good you are and then just disappear. Poof. You know, <laughs> just be weird. Could you just, you can be Jeremy Irons. Boom. You that's the pitch. <laughs> I'd like to do a TV series, though, of Dead Ringers. Yes. Because I think even with that film, I could have watched a TV series forever of those two characters. I mean, yeah. what a beautiful performance. And you could really, really get in there. Yeah. Just so you know, ladies, Chris is a friend of Talking Comics who's actually in Australia. So it sounds like you guys are getting international here. <laughs> That's so awesome. We're actually going, I ho I'm hoping we're going to be in Australia. I know Rabbit is going there, so we're hoping we might be following it. There may be a chance that we're going there. Who knows? Ooh. Maybe me and I can't say it. Sylvia, <laughs> maybe spoiled it. I did that to another one today, too. I do love Australia. Australia and Monster Pictures were the first people to put us out and dead hooker in a trunk. And when people say, "Are you?" people know you in Australia, I'm like, oh. People love us in Australia and the UK. I don't even know why we live in this country. We should go to our people. <laughs> we also had a couple of questions here. I'm just trying to see if uh, Bob's questions were. Really yeah, you know, you know, Bob sent us uh, an email with questions. Aww. Yeah, I, I knew his questions were related to rabbits, so I wanted to fit those. Bob in there was not going to let us talk to you on the show without. Having some input on that. Bob Hi, is, Bob. I miss you, Bob. Such a sweetheart. We love Bob so much. <laughs> okay, so Bob says, Jen and Syl, I'm much looking forward to seeing Rabbit, as I know that you'll have a great read, uh, read on updating, homaging David Cronenberg's original. So my first question would be, when might we see the film in the States and Canada? And just saying, is there any truth to the rumors that you might be thinking about taking on another Cronenbergian project, something along the lines of, shall we say, medical? <laughs> well, it's so funny, Bob, because we just got an email telling us what's happening with Rabbit. Um, I don't think I'm allowed to say at all. I mean, I always thought Valentine's Day would be a perfect time for Rabbit, but maybe someone's going to have it come out in the North America a little sooner. And I hope that's vague enough for me not to get in trouble. Yeah, Rabbit <laughs> very anxiously anticipated. And there might have been big plans, but there might be more immediate plans for it to be hitting the U.S. of A. And we are going to be hopefully very soon announcing when our uh, U.S release date is going to be and hopefully our Canadian uh, film festival release as as well and uh, as we've been saying it's going to have a theatrical as well so please everyone go see Rabbit in the theaters it's very very important that you see a little indie film about body horror a little movie about biological oddities from Canada <laughs> and we might uh, uh, Bob we might be actually looking into the rights of who owns Dead Riggers right now now just to see if they'll let us who knows me who wants that maybe it's us yeah we <laughs> have some very happy <laughs> gifts from Rabbit we are now working with uh, David's producers uh, Karen Wookie and Martin Katz of Prospero Pictures they are 
fantastic. They saw an early version of Rabid, so I'll just let you know that they really liked it enough that now they're our producers. Yeah, they liked <laughs> us enough to keep us. Just, just, just to generally say, it's pretty approved by the Cronenberg area. I'm still waiting to hear what David thought of it. I think David's not the kind of person to send an email. No, I think he, he would he, not. He, it's so informal. Now we have to wait until we see him again, and then I feel you like. Know, You'd have to get like a full-on wax seal kind of letter going on. Wouldn't there. it be cool? Or it, you'd get like a weird growth on your hand and you peel back the skin and the message. <laughs> They're all from David. <laughs> oh, shit, that's like what I a want now. Cookie, just pull it out of your hand. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, Bob also asks, um, he says, also, I loved your Black Widow run. So we... Uh, we need to see you ply your trade on some other Marvel heroes, either in print or on film. I'd be thrilled to see you ladies on either Elsa Bloodstone, yeah. Monster Hunter series, or in either medium. And I yes, bet that Melissa please. would agree, too. Uh-oh. So fantastic. We have been chasing down like uh, a television or film comic book property for years now. I think we've been pretty obvious about I will do everything. I really I would love to do Deadpool. I mean, I'm a tax credit. Did you say that the right way? or do I don't think I said it the right way the first like few years. So I'm going to just keep <laughs> saying it in case like Disney has a lot of turnover. And you know, it's they a- might be hearing this for the first time. I, I would love to have a, a female superhero character, but even though Lexi has done Punisher, sorry, that came out way sexier than it needed to. And you said you wanted to do Deadpool. I was waiting but for you I to wanna, catch up on it. I want to have a, a male character because yeah. if I got a Batman or a Superman, I think it would be a lot for women because I feel kind of now we're being segregated into the okay, so what female superhero do you like? And I'm like, ah, I, Spider-Man? I don't even think of them as female superheroes. They're just different superheroes. I would <laughs> I would kill a man for Storm. I love Storm. I would love to do a rogue oh, story. God. Also, yeah. I, I, and I heard really rogues are some of my oh. favorites. <laughs> Rogue, I don't know why uh, Fox is afraid of strong women and they just basically castrated my poor Rogue. My God, poor, poor Rogue. Wait, doesn't Rogue cry about Wolverine not liking her in the comics? Isn't, and then isn't she, that her? And she cries <laughs> about Iceman not liking her. Like, yeah, she's just a big cry. Who doesn't like Rogue in the comics? I was actually really hoping that uh, Captain Marvel was going to end with Rogue training her as a big surprise to everyone. Like, oh, you reintroduce Rogue as a bad guy, badass. But no, that would have been a downer. That's like if Eli Roth ran uh, Marvel. They'd like, oh, and then she dies because Rogue gets her. You know, it's ideas <laughs> like this that keep me from being hired. Truth. And then she dies. You're a great superhero that you created. What? No, she's in a coma. It's okay. She'll just be, she'll be gone for a year. She's going to be insane in a rogue's head. It's like every Sam Raimi Spider-Man. Okay, Sam, so this is the one where Peter and Mary Jane end up together. No, they hate each other now. Wait, what? (laughs) (laughs) Spider-Man 4 is 10 years in the future. They're already divorced. Oh, come on. Come on, Sam. No, it's good. They're divorced and they have to, you know, they have kids on the weekend. They're fighting over custody. (laughs) Spider-Man's lost an arm. (laughs) I'm sorry, Bob. I hope that answers your question. (laughs) (laughs) I don't see how it couldn't. We wanted to make sure that you guys um, talk about the blood drive that you do with women in horror every year. 
Oh, thank you. Well, we've been doing it as long as Women in Horror Month has been going. And I think this coming year, it'll be our 11th year. And it all started out when Hannah Neurotica wanted to start a month that we just start talking about the female artists that we might have kind of not spoken about in history because women have always been here. We just kind of got ourselves edited out. And I'm not blaming anyone, but we were there. And then we were there though. <laughs> being awesome. Yeah, it was just kind of overlooked <laughs> because some people needed to assert themselves. I'm not saying I'm who, not saying I'm who. not saying anyone, but we just wanted with to the say penises. Exactly. <laughs> we just wanted to say we're here. And I also didn't want it to be like a oh charity, poor us, because I didn't want to say, hey, we suck. I'm gonna say, hey, we're even better. We're gonna give back. Yeah. On top of raising awareness for ourselves, we're going to even raise awareness for another cause. And I always thought that blood uh, donation is such a selfless cause. And it's something that the golden uh, era, the age of veterans, kind of considered their civic duty. And nowadays, it's something that most of us don't even think to do. But most of us will, actually, just about all of us will need a blood sometime in our lifetime. So as soon as the Women in Horror Recognition Month started, I started up the massive blood drive, which is just <clears throat> plain encouraging people to go and donate blood. Because most of the time with charity, people are like, well, I don't have money. I'm like, friends, at times even I have no money. But you have blood. You have at least four liters of blood in that beautiful, sexy body of yours. <laughs> and I'm betting then horror fans, being survivors, are braver than the general public. And I've been right. Absolutely. So we do these little blood drive uh, commercials every year. And we ask filmmakers from across the globe, some new, some starting out, and of both genders, even actually not even strictly to binary anymore. Being a pansexual, I'm open to, I know that we are well, beyond two labels. So whatever you may be. Well, you know, we started with just us and then we with the making a PSA because we thought it would be cool. And then we we're like, well, what if we invited other filmmakers that you might not know about? And then it went international. And then people are like, well, what about the guys that aren't getting the guys that are feminists too? And we're like, oh, yeah, about them. And then they're like, what about us non-binaries? And we're like, oh, yeah, well, we have to. Now we can't do that. We have to have everybody being on because that's the whole thing. You want everybody to have an opportunity to work together and support one another. So. Yeah. And it's so important for us to remember our male allies because people who are like, yeah, I hate feminism. It's about equality. Yeah. Like it's not about mm -hmm. fuck men. No, nope. men are great. Fuck them if you want to. Don't fuck them if you don't feel like it. Yeah, but choice, ladies. But just let <laughs> exist like we let ourselves exist. Anytime someone's like, I hate feminism. I'm like, you hate the thought that women are equal to men. Maybe right. you've somebody, you know, a feminist or a Christian that didn't really have the values of that person. That person, you know, a label doesn't make you that person. Yeah. So I just, as a female identical Canadian twin sister directing writing producing acting duo i hate labels <laughs> i hate them i'm just a filmmaker i'm just an artist i'm just i'm just a me and you know we've the cool thing about the psas is every filmmaker knows that the more you work the less you get to say to be as weird as you are so we always give them just kind of like a loose theme and we've we've gotten some really wild crazy things throughout the year uh our year nine one we actually got uh because they shoot, they shot Deadpool here in town and they shot Deadpool with my cast and my crew. So everybody who I knew was working on Deadpool except for us. And we're like, God, I wish I could show Marvel somehow that, you know, 
I could do it. So we shot a, a twin pool PSA after making sure for Marvel Legal that they couldn't possibly sue us because it was just for charity and we were just doing a parody. Oh just yeah, like I they do in porn. I made no <laughs> money on that. I spent a lot of a lot of money that is, you know, at, at the end of the day it was for Deadpool, so it was all good. But it's and blood services, so double good. Yeah, and it's also cool because uh uh they, I, I this last year um Barbara Crampton and all the Cenobites did their own little like sing along for you doing uh the blood. Oh, Oh, Linda too. Blair as well. I was yeah. like, holy shit. So it's kind of taken a life of its own now. And then we also have, because uh, pe- we always look for people who've never done a blood drive or never done anything before because there's filmmakers, but it's sold like filmmaking is some kind of elitist sport. So we're like, no, use your cell phone, use a crazy idea, whatever. If this is your first thing here, maybe you'll go from here and you know, you'll be doing Spider-Man one year and I'll be like, please hire me. And so to <laughs> participate, all you need to do is just donate blood. That's it. Yeah. Just donate Easy. blood. And you're yeah. awesome. You're a hero. Did you know it saves three lives or up to six baby lives. That's adorable. It's adorable and it's amazing. And also there's no substitute for blood and blood does have a shelf life. So we constantly need fresh blood. So please, I'm not just a vampire. I want your blood, please. And as a personal plea and living vampire, I actually survive on people donating blood. So yeah, please (gasps) donate blood all the time. Often. <laughs> it feels great. It's literally saving a life. And, you know, you get a cookie after. I know they hide that from the general public, but you get a motherfucking cookie and no <laughs> one, you don't even have to pay for it. And if you just sit there, you can juice have a cup too. Yeah. 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 Juice and little shoulder rubs. And everyone goes around being like, you're so brave. It's fantastic. It's good nope. for your self esteem. I'm glad the blood you keeps you alive. Yes, I'm glad you're still alive. All right. We're going to move on with uh, some more questions here. Yeah, there's one listener question that I also want to know the answer to that I'm really excited to hear. Um, that Kay, Kim Lehman one asked, in any of your films, was there anything that the Motion Picture Association made you take out? And if given the chance, would you put it back in? Oh, first of all, hi, Kim. Thank you for being so wonderful. That's a great question. Uh, you know what? I, I'm afraid to answer this question, but so far... Uh, no, and there's been things that have Knock been put in. Yeah. But I will say about Rabid, there. Um, oh, Jen, don't tell them! Don't tell them! I don't even want them looking at the film. But there, are, we we really push the he 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 who who who. You don't know what's in this film. Uh, <laughs> imagery. <laughs> There is one image that I'm like, please let it make it. And so far, if you see it at a film festival, you'll see it. But there's um, there's just something, and then there's some. Some other something. Yeah, T is for torture porn got banned in uh, Germany. Like the whole, it got the whole ABC is a death thrown out for that. And the funny thing is, uh, in the first ABCs, T was the open letter. So we're like, oh, let's do T is for torture porn. Like maybe they'll pick us. But they did uh, T is for toilet and it was a claymation. And we're like, there's no way they're going to pick our tentacle rape thing after that. Like, like, like clay toilet thing that's so nice. And so the next year we were like, please, guys, if you ever do it again, can we do T is for torture porn? And they're like, sure. And I don't know if you guys remember the first one, but they had a lot of sexual violence, which is actually the MPAA's most hated subject of any kind of thing. So they get, their lawyers gave us a seven-page thing saying, there can't be any sexual violence in your thing. And we're like, no, what about tears for torture porn? It was the time for us to shine. It was our moment. And 
<laughs> we sent everything and we wrote it like, excuse me, guys, this is what we were planning. And they're like, no, you, you know, actually, we were expecting there to be at least one letter like this. And ladies, we were expecting it to be you. So just please go ahead. And we're like, what? <laughs> wow. Expecting us to break the rules. And then I, Beautiful. we... We had the ass from the human centipede three that came to be our ass. It was reused. I don't know. It's a little bit of new movie history. And I remember showing the first uh, shot to our, our producer and he's like, that's so great. Can you make it a little graphic? And I was like, what do you mean more graphic? There's a tentacle going in a butthole. And he's like, if something could square it out, I was like, okay, but <laughs> it is Christmas time and my, 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 you know, visual effects guy do is doing it over Christmas with his mom. So, you know, that's what you're asking. I will say the German people love us. It's the censors who dislike us. The German people are very big into body mod too. And I've had lots of very lovely messages from German fans. There's one guy who kept asking me to kill him and I stopped talking to him when I realized, oh, he meant like hostile. Like he said, film him, like kill him and film him, not in as part of a movie. Oh, okay. Yeah, we thought, you know, <laughs> there was a, there was a language I, thing. Oh, no. I figured it out. I was like, no longer. That's also one of the many legends why I don't do any Facebook inbox, talk, inbox talks. Ooh, if you yeah. want to talk to me, let's keep it <laughs> out in the public. Put it on the wall. Just so the police <laughs> and FBI can see if something funny happens. That's, that's to protect you from me, too. <laughs> That's fantastic. <laughs> we have another question here from Clay Bryce uh, from uh, Twitter. Here, uh, uh, what were some of your uh, what were some of your memorable moments at Spooky Empire in Orlando last year? Oh my god, I loved Spooky. Well, hanging out with the fans and the people that we knew on the internet, getting to meet them in the in real life, like Clay. That's always so much fun. Um, we got to do a panel, which I always really enjoy. And I think we said some secrets that we weren't supposed to say because I never know what you're supposed to say. And I started as an independent filmmaker, so I never know how to shut up. Um, I'm really happy anytime anybody shows up. I'm actually very excited and honored. Uh, I don't know when people become what I call celebos. When they <laughs> think that, hey, I made a movie, so now I'm like a living god. I'm like, oh. I've not made more movies than I've made, so I'm I'm very humble. I know where my place is in life, and the fact that anybody shows up means everything to me. But when people show up, you know, dressed as the characters, yeah, uh, with the tattoos on, and uh, given the subject matter of American Mary, there are a lot of uh, sexual abuse survivors who come and they share their stories and they say, "Hey." My attacker never got what was coming to him. But thank you for American Mary, because I got to kind of live vicariously through Mary. And, you know, for me, it was a level of closure. So for being able to do something like that, I can't even put words to what that means to me, to be able to help somebody with their healing. Every one of our films basically has to do with someone who's like any one of us. And then something happens that would usually destroy you and end you. But instead of letting it break you, you take that and you evolve and you become stronger. And hey, sometimes you make it, sometimes you don't in our films, but you always survive that one incident that, you know, is the end of your life kind of incident. And I, I think that's really great for people. So when I come mm -hmm. and meet the other fellow survivors and I get to hug people, I really love hugging people. Yeah. I'm a very socially like awkward person. I don't hang out with lots of people. When I see people that are just fans, I just consider them fans on the other side of the table. I just happen to be on one side of the table. I'm 
geeking out for Jeffrey Combs and everything and Elvira and screaming. I'm just like everyone else. I'm just like you. I put my bra on one boob at a time, my friends. They're supposed to go in at the same time, Jen. I don't know how to do it. You live with me. You know this. No, it's true. She has to do the thing. She ties it on her waist and then pulls it up. I'm like, how are you not? I have to do it in the front. It's how I bet Natasha does it the same. I'm pretty sure she can put her bra on behind her back. I'm pretty sure she knows how to do that. She chooses to do it in front. (laughs) Uh, is that TMI? TMI? No. It, there's nothing TMI on this show. <laughs> Thank God. I love it. Well, speaking of Natasha, um, there's another c- question from Comic Con Artists on Twitter um, who wants to know what do you imagine is next for Natasha? And to what extent does the clone history impact her grasp of identity? And what would her continuing down a path of, of, that doesn't, and what would her continuing down a path of really doing? That last one does not is not worded well. Um, I'm not sure what they're exactly trying to say. I think I know what, what they're doing. doing. Well, down a path Seth, of really Seth, doing. Uh, sadly, we're not with uh, uh, Nat right now. She's going for Web of Black Widow, and I've been looking at it because obviously <laughs> now I'm stalking Black Widow forever. <laughs> And she has the past coming back for her. This clone stuff, and I've talked to the higher-ups because, like, when I first got the job, they're like, something's different now. And I was like, oh, you guys are throwing the story out. And they're like, no, she's a clone now. And I was like, guys, come on. What is this, the 90s? She's a clone? Come on. And they're like, no, we have a plan. There is a plan. And, you know, I think a lot of times, like, and I'm like this, too, they – they do a sensationalized story item like like Daredevil getting beaten the crap crap out of or or there being an evil Captain America. It, it really affects you because those characters are so it's almost like your neighbor. You're like, no, that's not that person. But it's meant to do that because there is an overall thing and that they're not going to change your character or throw them out They're They're doing something deeper in there. And uh, because Black Widow is uh She's going to have this huge movie, and this is going to be one of those opportunities where people see her for the very first time. I think our Black Widow is a little bit darker than they are planning for, like, a huger audience, and I think that's totally fine. Doesn't mean Black Widow isn't going to come back and hunt down those pedophiles one day. She's still doing it. She's doing that on, like, behind the scenes, like, between the panels with, you know, Bucky or, you know, Clint at other times. But I think the cool thing is that not only are you going to go through the history of her, the clone and all, all, all of who she is, but she's now redefining who she is, uh, but they're going to bring the past back because there's also, there's no new readers. Like there's tons of new people coming to it. So you're going to get a little bit of uh, both as a sweet mix. Yeah. And I think you're going to find that Natasha is really unbreakable. There's that beautiful double page spread in no restraints play where she's being waterboarded. And it's also got in the background all the different moments where she was broken or someone thought that they defeated her. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't be surprised if in a future arc, as a writer decides to make the clone thing another false memory or just another way to, to fuck with Natasha. Yeah. Because it really was initially a way to try and take away everything that she had because being alive since 1928 and having been through all those different experiences, all those different identities, and then to say, oh, you've died so many things, basically saying you are nothing more than a pawn and a plaything of ours. Any time that you thought that you had done something, no, you were just this thing. So I yeah. think that we're going to see that uh, Natasha is very unbreakable. And I, I think that we're going to be careful about the choices that writers are making. I don't think that it was a great choice to have 
a Nazi Captain America. And yeah. I don't think, I mean, there is an interesting commentary there about uh, somebody who is a representation of America, yes. not looking like America and not speaking like American values. That is a fascinating thing. But the whole clone thing, I was incredibly disappointed with. I think it was a way of someone being like, well, how are we going to bring someone back from the dead? We really need to treat life and death and with a little bit more respect in the comic books. It's kind of like we put a character in the Disney vault and, you know, how many times has Wolverine, a fucking healing guy, died at this point? We Jean Grey was dead for years. I, years. I, years, poor Scott. I always <laughs> like to say a character dying is not character development. So I want to see Natasha alive and I want to see what happens when she survives the kind of things that we see Natasha always survive, the things that usually would kill her. And I hope that she's going to be leading. I wouldn't be disappointed to see her team up with Tiger Tiger again. I wouldn't be disappointed to see her go back to Madripoor and I would certainly be overjoyed to see her hunt down the rest of that elite pedophile ring. Although I think that might be the best of the feel-good story of uh, Madripoor killing off the uh, pedophiles on that island. It's it's like I just hope they keep the little girl, the amputee girl that got the Tony Stark hands. Like I made that girl up when I was fifteen. I never thought I would put it in a Marvel comic, and I hope she gets to do something cool because you know there's so much about um, being uh, intact and everything, but there's a lot of times where people have uh, different things that that change your form, but that doesn't change you from being a superhero. And it'd be cool to see that kind of a hero. Uh, related to the Marvel Universe here, uh, we have a two-parter question from uh, Steve uh, Zarebski. First part, not related. Uh, what is the status on your monster film, Bob? Mm-hmm. And the second part, in any chance Marvel would let you write a Spider-Man or Wolverine story, which we have touched on, but more direct question here. Ah, uh, great question, Steve. Steve, um, Bob is in very good hands. It very much might be the next movie we're planning on making, or at least uh, I shouldn't be even saying that, but yes. <laughs> <laughs> is I don't know, is Wolverine alive right now? I would love to do a story where Wolverine breaks bad again, that we can turn him into the Canadian icon that he used to be, the kind of loner guy. He used to be back in the day that Wolverine would like, get a phone call or he'd remember something and then he'd just be like, and he'd just grab like Cyclops' motorcycle and leave. And then he'd be gone. And he, no one would know where he was and everyone would just be like, oh God, when's he coming back? It would be like when The Undertaker died in wrestling and you just waited for him to show up again forever and ever and ever. I'd love to do a storyline like that. And I would love to see... Um, an adult Peter Parker. I'd love to do a storyline for everyone that read him growing up from my age that just kind of was like, yeah, let's see where the storyline goes. I was a little bit disappointed by Brand New Day because, you know, I spent a lot of time reading those comic books yeah. and familiarizing myself with those stories. And, you know, I'm going to I'm going to let you finish general population. But uh, when you're talking about Punisher tuning a guitar and I say that's not my Punisher and you're like, well, it was fine, but I don't read the comics. We have a different interest. We're different. We're different sources. And, you know, there is a way to make the general public happy and make the fans happy. I always think it's like uh, when you adapt a Bible story, there are people who feel very strongly 
among those stories. Mm-hmm. So you should do a good job of trying to represent them, at least, you know, to the spirit of the law, if not the letter of the law. I think it's cool that they got J.J. Abrams and his son to do Spider-Man, but when they did the countdown starting at Spider-Man 4 and everyone went, oh, it's happening, Sam Raimi! Why <laughs> they didn't call Sam Raimi and write, Sam Raimi, just give us your Spider-Man 4 comics or movie script and we'll turn it into a comic. Done, you know? That would sell like a billion copies. Right? I always to do an American Mary Jane story where she oh. just got so tired of Norman Osborne's yes. shit that she got a gun and she like took him and she hung oh, him up in the storage locker and Peter had no idea where he went. He'd be like, oh no, Norman's disappeared. And she's like, yeah, oh no, Peter he's disappeared. <laughs> and then it turns out like she's killed him. And then he's like, you killed Norman? She's just like, yes, for like 10 years. He's <laughs> been threatening you. The amount of times that I waited to see if you were dead, Peter. Yes, I cut him up into little pieces. I filmed it and I killed him. Yes, I did. He drove me to it. I did what you couldn't. Wow. That American feels- Mary Jane, you're truly onto something there. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe they'll let us do a Halloween story. <laughs> what if? <laughs> All right. Um, let's go ahead and uh, we're going to jump ahead to our final questions here. Uh, I'm going to preface this one with uh, <laughs> our involvement here. Uh, some of our followers will notice that we disappeared from Twitter and had to uh, restart our Twitter a few days ago. Uh, <gasps> this is because we uh, tweeted our support for you guys, Jen and Sylvia, uh, because you guys got banned from Twitter. And somehow Twitter, their algorithm decided that uh, that, to, uh, meant that we should be banned as well. I have no idea how that works. Oh no! We took you down. I'm yeah. so sorry. Oh, it is not your fault. It's Twitter. But we, uh, like, we spent well over a week trying to get our account back, and have literally heard nothing back from Twitter. So we went ahead and started a new account uh, just a few days ago, and we're rebuilding our our fan base on there. So, uh, well, we'll, we always plug our Twitter handle at the end of the, of the show here. So listeners, you'll hear a new handle and, you know, please go and follow us there, but let's start at the beginning here. Ladies, why did you get kicked off of Twitter? <laughs> and <laughs> this is coming from, uh, my BFF blue actually. And, uh, Matthew, uh, Twasson and the world over here. Uh, yeah. Why did you get <laughs> kicked off of Twitter and what does it have to do with uh, Rabbit especially this is the craziest thing because it happened the day that the Rabbit trailer dropped and uh, the world premiere at Fright Fest was announced and uh, they made a little banner and it had a picture of Laura Vandervoort with her mouth prosthetics by Masters of Facts and it also had like the critter there and it said at Fright Fest and you know it was a film festival banner And then I got a little warning that said that you're posting hateful and violent images and you have to remove this off. Hateful. And I'm such a jackass. I was like, ha ha, okay. And I even wrote back in my message, it's okay. I'm just going to upload it anyway, LOL. And then I did it. And then then I was suspended again. It was like, oh, this is weird. They must take it down. And and then I got a message that said, no, you're going to be suspended. And because of the, what you've posted, we aren't going to put you back up. And that's absolutely insane because the same banner was being posted everywhere. Other people were using it as their banner. But the one thing I did notice is uh, our trailer dropped at the same time. Our world premiere dropped at the same time. Like everyone knew it was going to be at Fright Fest. And we had a massive amount of traffic going towards us. There Mm -hmm. are few people that we might not be very friendly about online. And those are people who are pedophiles. Either... (laughs) 
convicted pedophiles or pedophiles who are in the process of being convicted. And I know that the day that we're talking about uh, Fright Fest coming out, Mr. Jeffrey Epstein had also been arrested for being uh, the highest ranking child sex trafficking, uh, I guess, co-conspirator in the world. And I guess I was celebrating that a little bit hard too. just putting that out there that I happened to be taken off while I was saying that they said it was very nasty that we were never allowed back on. And it was, well, they had also moved uh, black widow up uh, release for uh, early. So we're like, there's a Marvel comic coming out and we remade a Cronenberg movie and you won't let us back up. And we even had, we were at an entertainment tonight was putting us up. We had just done a news story and there, the news place was like, um, where's your Twitter? Cause we were, and I was like, no, this is not happening right now. Wow. Oh my God. Are because the very next day it too had a super gruesome trailer come out and Twitter's advertising everywhere, super bloody, super gruesome. And I'm like, wait, double standards much? Because I'm actually, even though Rabbit and I, you can tell I'm super fancy schmancy, uh, we're an independent film. We're not studio-backed. If it was a Universal Studios film or if it was a Blumhouse film, I sure as shit would not have been kicked off. But I'm, I'm a tiny little independent voice. I mean, we don't even have a swoosh. Nobody wants to listen to what the twins have. You might get some radical ideas. But we were also pretty surprised to find out it wasn't just us. There's a lot of independent uh, horror filmmakers that have been banned for the same thing and permanently suspended. Now, if you hashtag horror uh, on Instagram, uh, a warning comes up to see if you're mentally ill or if you're thinking about self-harm. Which Seriously. Seriously, which is one of the most horrible negative connotations with uh, people who love this genre. These are people who are survivors, and guess what? Every human being is a survivor of something. So, yeah, we like to look at it in a fantasy version for our entertainment because it teaches us about things. It helps us deal with things that we were maybe not in control of when the time it happened to us. But to be able to do something like that is really scary. I mean, we started by getting our messages from newspapers and radio stations, and it became TV and movies. And now it's social media where it's just connected to us, and we've had a, a free reign of information and sharing ideas but now it seems that there's a lot of uh of censorship that's not censorship because it's trying to get rid of horror because you can see horror is just a billion dollar uh industry every big studio does it but specific more unique independent voices and that that's one of the most freakiest things ever because once you make uh, art an elitist sport it fails to be art whatsoever you can even tell with video stores. I mean, you go and see, want to buy a movie. It's got to be a big franchise movie. It's got to be a superhero movie. It's got to be a studio movie. Long are the days where you could get an independent film or an international film without having to order it online. And I think that's a really dangerous thing that's happening, that we're not just silencing voices. What we're calling one voice bad and saying you don't have the uh, right to speak. We take freedom of speech and hate speech. There's a very, very thin way there that of, of course there is hate speech and there is harassment. So I'm going to murder you. I'm going to rape you. That of course is very, very nasty stuff. But we are also seeing people with differing views saying, oh, well, you're evil. You don't deserve to say anything. And I can't imagine why we would be discouraged from talking to people with diverse opinions because 
if anybody, we need to talk to the person with the most different opinion from us to be able to figure out why they're thinking that way and hopefully change their perspectives. And the interesting thing was Fangoria had that same makeup on their cover. Rue Morgue had that exact picture on the cover of their magazine. They started tweeting. A lot of people changed the same banner. And um, you guys were another casualty. I heard of two other people that actually, and I was, I don't know if they've gotten their accounts back and they were like, yeah, I was posting it and telling Twitter and Twitter support about this. And it's, it's because they don't have enough humans working there. I don't know if you saw Daniel Way got a death threat the other day. And when he oh, reported wow. it, they said there was nothing wrong with it. And it literally said that the person was going to go and kill him. And it's like, Jesus. Is this is a father and this is, and but they don't have people protecting it. Mm-hmm. Unless we're like uh, one of the most famous people in the world, we can't control, control that. And I'm glad that enough people actually made a big deal about it because no, honestly, when we went down for over a week after our movie, it, nobody could help us. It was, it was awful. I've never heard of that happening to any other director. As soon as their film comes out, that social media would take them off. And it's one thing if they dinged us and took us down, but weeks for weeks to be going back and forth with this bullshit of not letting us back up. I mean, any idiot could have looked at that and been like, oh, well, no, there's nothing inappropriate. And if this image is so inappropriate, we should pull it off our server entirely, not just the directors of the film. Yeah, but... Yeah, but the nice thing is we're loudmouth, so now I have something else to be loud and upset about. So, yay! (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, that kind of thing would just not happen to... uh, production companies with deep pockets and far reach like that's absolutely not no it only can happen to an independent artist because you know it took us and our our army of supporters to mouth off for us to get any attention to actually come back i don't think if we didn't have so much support from so many people that we would have come back i think it would have just been another incident where an independent voice could go down but uh, they picked the wrong girls yeah (laughs) well we're glad you guys are back Oh, thank you for your support. I'm so sorry. I will do anything to help you guys get your respect too. Yeah, I'm gonna follow you now. And you know, it might be in your in my their messages might be in your junk folder because that's where I found my rejections when I finally did find them. Yeah, we we've been looking. We literally haven't heard anything back from them at all. It's been it's been weird, but we just went ahead. And we're like, you know what? Screw it. Let's just start a new account. <laughs> I'll follow it. We kind of killed your last one, so now I. Feel- <laughs> I'm sorry, ladies. I'm sorry. Blame Canada. Blame Canadians. <laughs> and we have uh Sierra, we have one last one question. One final question. This seemed like a good one to go add on from Sam Savak um from Geek Hearts Game. Is that a podcast, Jackie, or is it a Discord channel? I'm actually not sure. Oh. Um, Geeks and games and all about it. I yeah, know, right? It sounds like something we'd be into. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Um, He says, they make such scary stuff. What is something that scares them? (laughs) I would say other people. Not right away. (laughs) Uh, Nothing scares me. The only thing that scares me is actually incredibly sad. If Sylv died, I'm only afraid. I'm I'm sad. I'm scared of dead ringers about having to live in a world, but... And have to, it, my entire reality would change without self. Of, of course, I'd probably just go full dark willow and bring her back from the dead. But, you know. <laughs> you know, that's what you do. You just resurrect me. I've been saving a good resurrection just for you. Thank you. <laughs> and that 
I believe concludes our wonderful uh, episode here with you lovely ladies. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. This has been a ridiculous amount of fun. Oh, thank you. You've been so wonderful. I'm so glad that we finally made it on. We've been promising so long. So here we are. Yeah, thank you. This has been the Sirens of Scream. Geek Podcast approves. Sometimes that is better. Uh, Please, if you can, rate us and review us on iTunes, Stitcher, uh, Spotify, all that good stuff, whatever you listen to us on. Uh, Our new Twitter handle is uh, Sirens Podcast. Uh, All one word, Sirens Podcast, Twitter. We're still Sirens of Scream on Facebook and Instagram. Uh, ladies, where would you like for listeners to find you? Oh, if you go to twistedtwinsproductions.net, it hooks up to all of our social media. And we run all of our own social media. So if you're talking to someone that's weird, that weirdo is us. <laughs> Fantastic. Uh, and Melissa, I know, is Lissa Punch on Instagram and Twitter. Sierra, where can listeners find you? At Sierra Houck on Instagram and Twitter. And I am Jackie the Robot on Instagram and Twitter. And uh, thank you again for joining us. Maybe we can talk to you guys again later on in the future. We hope uh, the release of Rabbit is absolutely amazing. I know we're we're all- so excited to see it. Oh, ladies, I can't wait. I wish we could all go in a theater right now and watch it together. Oh, that'd, be oh, that'd be great. <laughs> we can talk about it. That would be so much fun. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Fine.